Welcome to the Awaken, Heal, and Thrive podcast. I'm Benjamin Bernstein, and fair warning, this may be the most intense and challenging content I've ever put into a podcast episode. It's called Rapid Healing from the Trauma of Child Sex Trafficking and Dissociative Identity Disorder, Interview with Laura V. While this episode focuses on hope and how one woman is healing from severe trauma more quickly and easily than she had thought possible, it does contain graphic descriptions that may upset some listeners. This episode is definitely not suitable for children, so please do not listen if you're under 18. Even if you're an adult, if the thought of a five-year-old girl being pulled into a sex trafficking operation then experiencing extreme abuse for more than eight years is too much for you to bear, please stop now before you even hear the rest of this introduction. Neither I nor Laura are responsible for any challenges you or anyone who overhears this episode while you're playing it may experience because you chose to continue. Laura V., one of my healing clients, gives frank descriptions of her 10 years as a victim of incest and sex trafficking. Her father, one of many men who abused her, sold her into sexual slavery when she was a young girl. This interview includes explicit details of how she and many other children experienced severe abuse, which some did not survive. She also describes how dissociative identity disorder has helped her cope with these traumatic experiences. Laura discusses her experiences in the context of how she's healing from these traumas using quick and effective modalities, especially internal family systems therapy and my instant divine assistance invocations. Both Laura and I have been amazed at how rapidly she's been healing during the sessions I've been facilitating for her. Our intention with this episode is to show you that, no matter how severe the trauma you have experienced, quick and effective healing might be possible. Let's take a breath. Please take another moment to seriously consider whether it serves your highest good to continue with this episode. If so, I'll take a moment for my usual introductory material before we start my interview with Laura. After the interview, I'll give you a brief overview of child sex trafficking. This will help you put Laura's experience into a larger context. This episode is sponsored by my book and audiobook, the number one Amazon bestseller called Instant Divine Assistance, Your Complete Guide to Fast and Easy Spiritual Awakening, Healing, and More. Just go to Amazon and search for Instant Divine Assistance or click the link in the show notes. I publish both audio and video versions of Awaken, Heal, and Thrive, so take your pick. The video versions are on my YouTube channel called Benjamin Bernstein Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Awaken, Heal, and Thrive wherever you get it. And if you have not already, be sure to click the link in the show notes for a free chance to win a full year of my Awakening Plus online membership. I announce a new winner every month. I drop new episodes of Awaken, Heal, and Thrive around the 9th and 23rd of each month. So here's that interview with Laura V. Hi, Laura. Hello. And uh, very honored to have Laura as my guest today. Also, let me be fully transparent here. Um, Laura has been doing shamanic healing work with me for several months. We've had quite a few sessions, have done some very powerful and intense healing work. Um, And uh, she's been using my invocations as a big part of her process. We've been doing internal family systems therapy processes have been the main modalities you've been working on as well as some spontaneous things. So we'll get into all that as appropriate. But again, the main message I want to come out of this with is even such extreme trauma can be healed quite rapidly if you have the right shadow work tools and you're willing to let your higher self and your divine allies do the work for you. 
So, Laura, thanks again for doing this interview with me. You're very welcome. And let me just check in right now. Are you truly comfortable proceeding with this? Yes. Okay, great. Okay. So uh, would you like to give a little background on on this extreme trauma that you did experience? Would you like to give people at least a sense of what you've been through? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. I lived through um, incest. Um, boy, my abusers included my dad and my grandfather and neighbors. <laughs> the list goes on. Um, but the main trauma that's been the most damaging and impactful for me has been the sex trafficking. I was sold um, as a sex slave when I was five. And um, they released me when I was 13 after they got me pregnant and did something there to get rid of the baby. So that's what I know so far. Mm. And and one of your ways of coping with this was to go into dissociative identity disorder. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, the way it's been explained to me is that when trauma is um, extreme enough and uh, chronic, uh, under the age of seven, a child can pretty easily split themselves. So in my experience, what I would do is I would experience the abuse and then after it was over, I would take the emotions and the sensations and put them in a box and shove them in the back of my head. And what I didn't realize until about seven years ago is that those boxes became rooms in my head with people inside them, um, reenacting and reliving the trauma over and over. Hmm. Which of course fits perfectly into the paradigm of internal family systems therapy which we've been using to work with those parts. Um, now, you and I have been working together for a few months, right? Yep. Okay. Yes. Um, so, but I know you've done a lot of therapy prior to this. Would you give us a sense of what what you've done in terms of your healing process until before you worked with me and how effective those approaches were? Yes. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, <laughs> um in 2017, I was working with a therapist, and at the time, we thought it was just uh, major depression and anxiety. And um, an event took place on a massage table that uh, brought full out a memory of being raped when I was 12. And in my therapy session, like two days later, um, this 12-year-old came out and spoke. I was like paralyzed and couldn't move. And I heard this little voice say, I need help, but I don't think anybody can help me. And then it just stopped and there was a pause. And then finally my therapist said, Laura, was that a 12 year old talking? And in that moment, um, I was in the back of my head and it was all black and I could feel presences on either side. And I knew she was in front and it was like, there's a black curtain and I knew I could get over through that black curtain, but I didn't know how. But in the next moment, I did. And then I was back in the room and I had control over my body. And I said, how did you know I was 12? And she said, I looked 12. I was like, okay. And I had no idea what happened. I had no idea what this was. And it was time to leave. <laughs> I was like very sad, insatisfied, dissatisfied with that. But a few days later, I met with somebody and they gave me the word dissociation. I was like, okay, now I have a word. And so my research self went on the internet and looked up association. And um, it led me to a specialist out of Australia. 
Um, and she was able to help me discover that I indeed was dissociative. Um, in the beginning, we could identify three parts. One was five, the other 12, and the other 16. And so then over just several months, um, I was learning, uh, like experiencing body memories. Um, words were coming out of my mouth. I was seeing images in my head. I was feeling things in my body and I had no idea where it was coming from. And so it became a detective story. And so I worked with that therapist until she couldn't work with me anymore. So that was May. That day I found a new therapist who was a DID specialist and worked with her for four months, Um, went to a trauma hospital. And that's where I got more of the trauma out um, so that I could start to deal with this and um, learned how to talk about it. And then um, I found another therapist who specialized with working with children with difficult behaviors. And I thought, yay, you'll understand all these kids inside of me and what to do with them. And so um, it was 10 months to two days a week that I would meet with her and uh, I would kind of go away and my kids would just come out and blab. (laughs) And then one day she's like, I don't think you have DID. And I was like, what? And so I left and then I found my therapist that I was able to work with for three years. And then also um, at that time, after I worked with this last therapist, I found a craniosacral therapist who also specialized in DID. And she was able to help me start to get the trauma out of my body because the psychologist that I'd worked with for 10 months, she kept telling me, you need to solve soup. I had no idea what that was. Um, and you need to teach a part safety. And I had no idea how to do that. And all the psychotherapy in the world was not getting me there. But once I was able to work with an energy worker who could get the trauma out of my body, uh, my my parts started to feel safe and we started to heal in a really meaningful way. And after working with her for about nine months, we had to quit because of COVID. And, but it got me stable enough that I didn't need to do any intense trauma work for quite a few years until this year. And in February, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to have to go back to the hospital because I felt really unstable. And um, in that time, I had been working, I, I joined a group called Psychics Unite. And so I met a lot of mediums and psychics and energy healers. And so I worked with my friend who does Reiki and she very skillfully worked with my parts and knew when not to push. <laughs> and she did a great job. So I, I had a lot of support from energy healers and I was comfortable with that modality. And in March of this year, I was led to a, uh, another Reiki healer who also did like was into metaphysics. And so the metaphysics started to help me find something to hold on to again. Um, But as we progressed, things got worse and worse and worse. And the body memories were more intense than ever. The flashbacks were more vivid than ever. And um, I got to a point where I didn't want to live because I thought, this is going to be my life for the rest of my time on this planet is I'm just going to be managing this hell and there's never going to be an end in sight. And what is the point? And I'm exhausted and I want off. <laughs> That's where I was. Hmm. And then, um, and there, 
I was getting help from other people along the way. I mean, there were periods where I would have some hope, but it would very quickly devolve, which is what made me even more hopeless. And then my <laughs> my spirit guides, they, they put, they I get thoughts every once in a while, or I'll hear somebody talking to me. And so this thought was, go ask your friend why she moved to Iowa. And she's like, well, I got an astro chart reading with Benjamin Bernstein. I'm like, no way. I know that guy. I was in his monthly membership for a month back in May. I like what? And then it, it was so funny. It was like this bone that wouldn't go away. And the, like a couple days later, I was talking to my kids about astro charts and like, ooh, we should like find out what locations my chart shows would be the best place for me to live. And then two days later, they're like, go get an uh, astrology session with Benjamin. I was like, what? <laughs> They knew this was not normal, but for some reason, I guess I was desperate enough that I did not argue for once. And a half hour later, I was scheduling an appointment. <laughs> it was just funny to me because it was so out of character for me. Uh, but I could also feel that I was being led. I That was one thing I did feel throughout the summer was that I was being led um, because I was learning more about how to embody my higher self. And I had been working with connecting with my higher self for a few years. So I knew when to follow and I was trusting it more than I normally do. Because that's something that's very common with um, trauma survivors. Those of us who are sensitive and are spiritual, it still is really hard for us to trust ourselves and to trust our intuition. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I was getting better at that. And so then we talked and <laughs> Benjamin's like, you need an IFS session. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and then he's like, let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, no. Um, but a week later, we we met and had our first session. And yeah, that was that was something incredible. Um, so would you like me to go into that? Or do you want to ask anything before we do that? Uh, first, um, I just want to thank you for your eloquence. You're covering a lot of ground really concisely and clearly. So uh, um, I really appreciate your openness and your your clarity as well. Obviously, you've done a lot of modalities. A lot of people who were more specialized in DID. Now, I have no specific training in DID. Right. Uh, I am. I have been tr- now. To be fully clear, I'm not officially certified in IFS, which is Internal Family Systems Therapy, which works with different parts of people. But I do have done full-on training that has everything but the certification on it. And uh, the feedback I've gotten from people that I've done it with says I do it well enough to be helpful. So, and I and I made clear that to Laura when we started. I said, I'm not officially certified, but I think I can help you. So I didn't, I'm not making claims to, uh, uh, you know, the certification I don't have. So yeah. what was it about? And apparently my impression, at least, is that the IFS has been really helpful in healing these parts. Um, yes. How is that efficacy compared to any other work you did you know, to work with the DID previously? Yeah, I'll, um, I'm going to give a little background um, first, because I've been familiar with internal family systems since meeting that DID specialist, because she got trained in internal family systems before she met her first DID client. Mm. And it was that knowledge that helped her relate to that client in a way this, this client was like setting fires and doing bad things. And so nobody wanted to work with her, but what she saw was a wounded child and that love and that compassion um, built a, a bridge so that they could work together. And, 
and from that work, that's what built her career as a DID specialist. But I, but people have been saying along the way, IFS is great for this. IFS is great for this. And I've actually been looking for a therapist to do it with me for the last two years. Um, but I just, I couldn't find a therapist. Um, Cause one thing particularly about DID is a lot of therapists are scared. Um, they're scared when parts come out, even trauma therapists. I, I actually did have a session with a trauma therapist who was a specialist in dissociation. I'm like, great, because DID is just a very severe form of dissociation. And one of my parts came out and talked to her and the look of fear on her face. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, they, it's, it's true. Um, and when I would tell people that I had DID, they're like, oh no, honey, you don't, that's rare. And I'm going to help you realize that that's not what you have. I'm like, no, I worked too hard to get here because I'd been di- diagnosed with bipolar, BPD, all kinds of stuff. But then when the DID diagnosis came and then I started learning about DID, it was a fit. And the cool thing about working with psychics is they could see my parts energetically. So they could actually, I, that was the most powerful gift I was given is someone could actually say, yes, I see them. Like, mm. thank you. Um, because it's really hard when you're not believed, especially when, you know, gaslighting is all about making everybody believe that you are lying. Um, and so even when I would speak my truth, I was being um, disempowered and made to look like I was a liar or I was mistaken. So to be believed is really, really important for trauma survivors. And um, yeah, so thank goodness uh, my intuition was strong enough that I was led to people who could help me. So yeah, so that's the background. So, and even um, when I joined your membership, I, I saw the IFS course there and I didn't touch it for that whole month that I was in your membership. Um, I just, I was like, yeah, that would be cool to look at, but no, it didn't happen. And part of the problem was I wasn't even sure the invocations worked. So that's why it was really important when we had that astrology reading is you helped me figure out how to get into embodied awakening. That was the start. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can do this. It's real. Okay. All right. I can work this way. So, so in our first session, um, I, I'll tell you, I had done a lot of work with um, a lot of the trauma, um, had been putting pieces together, had been working with the stories that my parts were telling me. But I also knew that there was a chunk that was dark and scary and something I could not handle on my own. And my healing journey, I've pretty much been on my own. Um, I had to advocate while I was in crisis. I was hospitalized five times in the first year. I was in real crisis for a good 18 months. And I had very little support and help. I had to do everything on my own. Um, so it, it got exhausting <laughs> to do this all on my own. Um, and I really didn't feel up to it. So working with you was crucial or, or I wasn't going to get anywhere. Um, so I was thinking, okay, it's our first session. They're going to take it easy on me and we'll just, you know, (laughs) deal with the lesser traumas, which are pretty big. Um, But no, no, no. My higher self was like, no, you have real help now and capable help. And we are going into the deep end. (laughs) I was like, no. Um, So yeah, so that first session, um, when we got into embodied awakening and started the IFS process, the part that came up was my five-year-old Debbie. 
And I knew Debbie. Debbie was the secret keeper in my system. Um, I knew that she contained most of the memories of the sex trafficking. And so I was like, okay, um, where is this going to go? <laughs> and it, there's a part in the IFS process where um, you have to say, I would love to tell you how you got hurt. I would love for you to tell me how you got hurt. I couldn't get the words out. And I was like, well, okay. I, I know I don't like hearing what they have to say. So I thought it was just me being like, I'm not ready for this. But no, I literally could not get the words out. And I didn't know why. Um, now I will tell you that twice um, in the past five years or so, I uh, think some uh, uh, an inciting incident would happen that would unlock the memory of children dying in front of me. Um, and I do not have conscious memory of it. I cannot see it. Um, I can see some scenes in my head, but I can never see those. I just, it's more like a knowing because I don't have an actual concrete memory. Mm -hmm. So while we were doing these healing invocations to kind of unblock whatever was keeping me from saying those words, um, when we got to, it was, it was interesting. I was like, oh, this is interesting. We're starting from the root chakra and working our way up to the throat. And when we got to the throat, I suddenly had a, a download, a knowing oh my God, they killed someone in front of me. And then I was hit with this shame of, oh my gosh, I was responsible for someone's death. And the interesting thing about that moment is simultaneously, my awakened self was saying, no, you're not. And Benjamin at the same time said the exact same thing. I'm like, hmm. stereo, okay. <laughs> um, so that that was helpful. But once we got to that, um, then then we were able to, to move on. But I can tell you in that session, we were doing so much healing and clearing. He'd say, okay, back to Debbie. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> He's like, no, we are going back. Like, ah, cause, cause here's the thing. Um, in DID therapy, the, for a long time, the treatment plan was to grow up the parts and integrate them. And so I would meet people who say, I'm integrated. I'm like, mm, no, you're not. <laughs> I know you think you are, but I can see you're not. Um, and so now the treatment plan is simply for cooperation. You get the parts healed enough that they start working together instead of against each other so that there's better functioning um, in the mind and body. So that was the that was the framework I came into this work with. And so when he said we're going to integrate them, my parents were like, no, because they were terrified that they were going to, you know, integration. We think like Borg, you know, it's like you lose your identity, you become assimilated. That's it. Integration felt like assimilation and they were terrified that they would disappear. And Benjamin said no, and I had no idea what he was talking about. So, <laughs> but now I do, and it's that scary. Um, we got, because he kept coming back to her, we actually did in two hours, guys, two hours, healed this part, like completely unburdened her. I, I actually didn't believe it happened. I thought it was just kind of fantasy um, <laughs> because I'm like, no, this is not possible. No. <laughs> and, and we, once she was unburdened, she was invited into the healthy um, system family. And I was like, huh. So the cool thing is she's still Debbie. 
And she's still very much herself, but she's unburdened. She's not wounded anymore. And so instead of being a holder of trauma, she now gets to be the part of me that is very loving and caring and compassionate. Because when I see her, when she's healthy, um, she's in a dollhouse well, in a playhouse, like in kindergarten, because she's five, <laughs> she's in a playhouse um, cooking and playing with dolls and being a mom, which I never, this part of me could never connect with um, until I had kids. So that's the cool thing. That's what integration is for us. They still get to maintain their identity. It's just they're not wounded and carrying pain anymore, which... It's beautiful. And yes, it can happen in two hours. It, it, it took me a week um, to, I, after a few days, I'm like, is this for real? And then I would check in with Debbie and I'd be like, Debbie, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm good, mom. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> seven years. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, but after, after six days, I had to admit, I think this thing actually worked and I think this actually happened and we have to do more. And yeah. All right. So, so first session, we healed a major wounded part, Debbie, who unburdened. And now one of the, the theories I have about IFS is the more troublesome a wounded part is once it's unburdened, it's equally helpful with the same intensity because it has a certain amount of energy. And when it's traumatized, that amount of energy becomes troublesome. But once you clear it and reintegrate it, then that, that amount of energy becomes helpful for positive and helpful things. It was that kind of your experience with Debbie was roughly comparable amount of energy suddenly released in a more helpful way after that. Um, very possibly. I'm still learning. <laughs> um, Cause you know, I've been dissociative, my whole life so numb has been my kind of baseline mm. um and so i don't number one um my parts overwhelm me and annoy me and so i i try to avoid them as much as possible sure. um so to get my attention they have to act out and then i get annoyed with that so it's not been the, well, just because it's been a really heavy thing for me to carry for a very long time. Um, it's like, I know I should do better, <laughs> but hey. Uh, so I am still learning to be more um, aware and especially like I have not been in my body for most of my life. So mm -hmm. just learning to feel energy in my body is something new for me um, that happened just this summer. Wow. So... Wow. Let me backfill a question. Um, first, yeah. um, do you mind saying how old you are? I'm 53. Okay, because some people may be wondering about that. Sure. Uh, the other is, um, you said in 2017, you became aware of a different part of you, and you became aware of the dissociative identity disorder consciously at that point. Before Correct. then, were you thinking of yourself as just a single personality or had you been aware prior to that, that there were other parts of you that came in and out, but you thought you were just regular Laura until that. That exactly. For 47 years, I thought I was a single minded individual with issues with depression. Um, and I mean, and the thing was, I was able to, I was able to live this facade at a very high level. I um, graduated from college 
I got married and traveled to Russia three times, um, raised children, um, did graduate work in education, taught kids. Um, so for a very long time, yes, I thought I was a normal, single-minded individual. And what was explained to me was that <laughs> it became really obvious to the therapist who worked with me in the beginning months of that year that my dad was a major player in this because they're like, okay, it's not a coincidence that you were not aware of this until your dad died. It took me a very long time for me to accept that my dad was the one responsible for all this. I was convinced it was my grandpa. Okay. Um, so yeah, that it took me a very long time to, to acknowledge that my dad was behind all of this. So before, until after your dad died, you literally hadn't remembered that you suffered all this sexual trauma. It was not even in your awareness until then. Yes. And that's another thing that's important to understand about DID is none of this happened to me. Ah, it happened to your parts. It happened to my parts. Okay. Um, and that's actually the beauty of DID is that's why they call the person with the chronic memories, the apparently normal part. That's the part that has contact with the outside world and makes everybody believe that I'm perfectly normal and fine. Mm. that's that's what that's what did is for okay. um because the way a, a therapist explained it to me she's like look you are supposed to be your dad's daughter you're supposed to love him so what do you do when he comes into your bed one night and starts playing with your body how are you supposed to be normal the next day and have that normal child father relationship you split you mm. take that part of you that experienced that trauma and put it away so that the normal part can be out because, um, you know, with my dad, the reason why this needed to be kept a secret because I didn't want to hurt my mom. Mm. Couldn't let my mom know because I didn't want to break her heart. So I had to be, I had to learn to be quiet when being stimulated. Um, I could not make any noises. Um, I could not betray this secret. Mm. And I am a very open person. So <laughs> the only way that was going to happen was for me to have some way to forget it as though it never happened. And so that's how I split over and over and over. Cause it was like, Oh, I got to keep that a secret. I got to keep that a secret. I got to keep that a secret because then once we got to the sex trafficking, when these people bought me, these people were no joke. And cause I, figured out this is a money-making opportunity for them so they didn't want to lose their investment and so that's how the whole oh, uh, violence and killing and stuff happened so it's all of my parts telling me what happened to us so when debbie said they played with my body me said oh my god i said i, I literally cried out and said oh no and collapsed on my bed um the, the 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 news of that was very distressing to me, the Laura, who was 47 at the time. Mm. Um, so that's how it is. It's like, it didn't happen to me. I have no memories of any trauma whatsoever. They're all being told to me by my parts. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, so now that you, and, you know, we've done quite a few healing sessions around this, uh, yep. some with invocations, mostly with IFS. Um, and how many of these parts have you unburdened and reintegrated at this point, roughly? Yeah. Um, 
it's been easy when I knew who they were. Cause I know I have names for 20 of my child parts. And so I recognized a few that we worked with Gabby, um, Alex, Maggie, Debbie, and maybe one other, um, the rest, I don't know their names. So, um, <laughs> when, there would be protector parts that I'm not familiar with. Cause I thought that um, Gabby was the protector of everybody. So when we would go into these IFS sessions and somebody would show up, I wasn't familiar with, I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> so that kind of opened up my eyes to, Oh, there isn't just one protector. Um, and then there were times where we did these mass um, healings of parts. Uh-huh. And the way that I understand that, um, cause one thing, that was explained is you can have fragments and then you can have full personalities. So in my system, Gabby is like a full on alter. She literally can be me. Actually, she is me very often and people don't know. Um, It's a game she plays, but she's the only part who's strong enough to put me in the trunk, basically where I lose time. Mm -hmm. Um, The other, then I have 10 or 12 other parts I think my, my daughter did this with me one day to figure it out. I think there are 11 or 12 other parts who have distinct personalities, have their own um, way of speaking, have their own way of being. So they're, they're considered full personalities, but we're co-conscious when they come out. Mm. And then there are the fragments. And what fragments are, are parts that will hold on to emotions or sensations, but they don't have full personalities. They're just, fragments. And so my sense when we did these mass healings of, cause what happened was one time when we were looking at uh, a memory, I felt all these parts um, like a dis- disgust and fear and um, a bunch of different emotions. And we recognize these all as parts. And so I was having to separate them and, and the room filled <laughs> with these parts. <laughs> are you why are you here um but they all knew her who this was focused on and so they all needed to witness this and they all needed to experience it and so then we did this mass healing so for them i feel like they're probably more fragments that just needed to be unburdened and now they're they're integrated so that's also something i've learned is because when i worked with the craniosacral therapist she said i had already integrated a few parts and so um, when they're fragments, it's a little easier for them to integrate quickly and easily um, without me resisting <laughs> versus the personalities. So that's my experience. Obviously, you're in a much healthier place now than before you and I started the work. And yes. uh, I, I don't, roughly how many sessions have you and I done together, healing sessions? Uh, maybe seven or eight, maybe somewhere seven or eight. in there. And that's I over, uh, what, three or four months or something like that? Yeah, we started August 16th. Okay. And all right. So that makes it, uh, that's only two and a half months. Yeah. 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 It's, it's ridiculous. Um, how quickly and, and Benjamin had said in the first or second session, Lori, you're on a fast track. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my normal speed. So I was like, no surprise. Um, but for you, it was a big surprise for you. And so what was really cool was it took us two hours to work with Debbie but then when we did the second session, we did two rounds of IFS. So 
we healed two parts. And then in the next session, I think we healed three parts. Um, so we got, I got better at it and faster at it. And so then we were able to go through it faster. And then in the second one, ritual abuse. What? And then in the third one, it was the torture room. And that one, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes me cringe when I think about that. So this was not easy, low-level stuff that we were working. And just working. to be clear here, this is not um, just, these are, these are things that physically happened when you were a child that you're yes. calling and healing, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, because the ritual abuse is another one that I don't have um, memories of, but the reason but I do did have confirmation from a psychic medium who is very accurate and very skilled. And I asked him one day, I was like, was there ritual abuse? And he said, yes. So he confirmed that I had experienced that. So when that came up, I, I wasn't too resistant to it because I knew, I don't know that it looked like what it looked like in my head, but there, I did know that there was something like that happening. Uh, the, the, the torture room, you know, when you're eight, um, you call it a torture room. An adult calls it a dominatrix room. But when I would think about it a little bit, I remembered uh, whips, chains. I can see um, me in chains and kneeling on the floor and having a collar, um, a, a black collar around my neck and around my wrists. And then I remember a box. So my sense is that they would put us in this box to make us cool off or as a punishment or something. And it would feel like you were being buried alive. So in that IFS session, I saw the part as a folded up rectangle, like the arms and legs were bended wrong um, so that it literally looked like a rectangle. And that's when I, I thought in my head, oh, I guess that was real. I really was in a box because there she was in the shape of a box. Yeah. Um, and so I had to unbend her. So yeah, so yes, that actually did happen. This, yeah, these people were no joke. Yeah, and um, and I realized this must be, you know, we've been into some very intense territory here. So sorry. Maybe it's, no, no, it, this is, we gave the warning on the front end that we were getting into deep territory. So um you know, I, this is the first time ever, I've ever spoken with them who's gone through this level of extreme, you know, horrific trauma. And I had never, you know, I'd, I'd heard mentionings, but I'd never heard anyone who actually had experienced this level of horrible abuse. So, um, so again, I, and now, now that we've been into this dark place, let me remind people who are still with us, you know, yes. that this is a episode about hope and recovery. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we've been going into some really deep territory just to show you how horrific it can get and that someone like Laura can come into such a profound recovery. Um, yeah. Cause let me tell you about that particular one, because, you know, this was our third session. So I was more, um, more experienced in embodied awakening. And actually that has been the most valuable thing about this work. Um, because I, Laura, could not, I, I, like I said, I couldn't face this. This was more than my human mind could handle. But what happened was when he would get me into embodied awakening and he would, he would constantly be like, if, if things got overwhelming, he'd like, Laura, get back into embodied awakening. And, and it was, it was like, just trying to remember to keep aligned and keep in this state. And in the beginning, and this was new, so I didn't know what that felt like. 
but by my third time, I, I had a much more um, experiential, visceral sense of what it was to be in this alignment. And when I was in embodied awakening, I would feel compassion. So when I saw this part, if I had seen her in the first session, I would not have been able to deal with her as compassionately as I did in that session. So, and I, I, I feel like my higher self is so good at this. Like we're doing this in an order that makes sense for really good reasons. And now I'm starting to understand those reasons. Um, so at this point I was in a much better sense of embodied awakening so that I could look at this part with compassion and, and it was like, okay, I'm supposed to hug her, but how am I going to do that? So I also was much more familiar with the IFS process so that I knew what was coming up before he had to tell me so that I could think. <laughs> it was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And I realized I needed to massage those limbs. And so I said, hang on a second. I got to get to a spot where I can even give her a hug. Um, and so and I, I couldn't see it, but I had this sense that she was very fragile and and very her body was very thin and frail. And so there was a lot of compassion and I was just being guided into how to lovingly embrace this terribly, terribly wounded part. And, but that's the thing guys, you know, the hardest thing in DID work is having compassion and having that self love. Like we're supposed to parent our parts. And I, I cannot as a human Laura, be a parent to my parts because most of the time I'm 16. I'm not 47. I just, when I'm working with the wounds, I'm in that wounded child. And so that's the huge thing about this is that embodied awakening. It's the game changer because it's outside of you, but it's you, but it's this part that can handle anything. I remember one of my parts, um, I have two boys inside, not anymore. They've been healed. (laughs) never thought I'd say that either guys um they carried machetes and he'd say okay have them step aside so you can walk back I'm like they're gonna stab me in the back and Benjamin said oh no no they will not because your higher self cannot be hurt in this world I was like wait wait, what so that was another big thing realizing that I this part it's like a superhuman hero like nothing can hurt this thing and nothing can overwhelm her I was like Oh my gosh. And it just kept building my confidence and my courage in dealing with this tough stuff. Cause it's like, I've got someone now in my corner that I have access to that I can feel, I can experience this with, and she's strong and she's full of compassion and she's the adult in the room that I can't be. And I'm yay. So that's, that was probably the most valuable thing I've gotten from this work together is having a stronger relationship with my higher self. Like I can now take that from my inner world and bring her out into my outer world and say, Hey, I've got this awesome higher self with me that I can embody and connect with at any moment and feel stronger and, and better handle things. Um, So that was the beauty of that particular thing was it was just beautiful. The healing of this terribly, terribly wounded part was so beautiful and so powerful. Um, 
I couldn't hold her. So my higher self's like, give her a sheepskin. I'm like, oh, perfect. I grew up with sheep. I, I know my, my grandma would tan skins. So I knew exactly what they looked like and what they felt like. I'm like, perfect. And so I could cradle her in that sheepskin. And that's how she got her healing. Mm. And, it, it, but that's the beautiful thing. I mean, working with my higher self, we come up with these really creative ways of healing this situation. And yeah, so that's why I keep working with Benjamin. And that is why I love this work is because it has made me stronger. It has made me um, calmer. It, okay. That's another thing. Cause I still was like, I'm not so sure this is real. Actually last week, I came to Benjamin and I'm like, this is all bullshit. None of this is real. This is all in your head. And he's like, no. <laughs> and um, I remember it was a couple of weeks after we had started working. I went, well, I had a friend that I would go to immediately after we worked. I'm like, you'll not believe what I just experienced. And she's like, Laura, you're different. I'm like, really? You can see it? Yeah. And then we went up um, to meet a friend uh, who knew nothing about what we were doing and my friend asked her later, what did you think of Laura? She's like, she's calmer. Um, she's more grounded. She's more peaceful. I was like, okay, thank you. Because when you're in the middle of this stuff, you don't really know exactly what's going on. Um, but I can say now that we've had an, I've had some really dramatic shifts in the work we've done. And, um, I am much more peaceful and calm and I'm laughing more than I've laughed in my lifetime, honestly. Um, so I, I literally do have days, not just, not just these little, little brief windows of happiness that went on for so long, for so long, it was gray skies and the sun would come out once in a blue moon. And now instead of just a five minute incident where I'd laugh and actually could be happy before I would sink back into depression. Um, I'm having whole days where I feel happy and genuinely joyful. And I know that those days are happening because that's when I'm most connected to my higher self. <clears throat> so I have, oh, and, and I have been working on connecting with my higher self for over two or three years now. Um, and I have done a lot of work and I had made progress, but working with these invocations I'm actually teaching them to people everywhere I go because I'm like, you have got to experience this. This is amazing. Um, and let me and, jump in. Um, there yeah. is a link in the show notes. I have a little free course on my site where you can learn these two foundational invocations for embodied awakening and healing. And it's free. And uh, there's also a link to my book in there that goes A to Z on everything about the invocations. And you can get that for as little as a, a $3.99 ebook on Amazon. So these uh, this information i you know one of the reasons i'm here on earth right now is to spread these invocations because they're just like amazing they were given to me as a divine gift and i'm wanted to, to spread them as broadly as possible because they are an incredibly fast and easy way to attain embodied awakening and to get rapid healing you know and uh and you know what laura and i have mainly been doing is internal family systems therapy uh which is a more involved modality but um you know, the invocations are a central part of what we do as well. Um, and, and as long as I'm mentioning this, <clears throat> there's also, I also host a membership called Awakening Plus, and she's already mentioned the little IFS self-guided course in there. And I have had more than one member just without me ever doing IFS with them one. I wouldn't go in and do my little, my voice guiding them through the steps and saying, I just had the most powerful thing of my life. 
the most powerful healing of my life doing that little course. So IFS is an incredible modality. Um, I'm super excited about it always. And um, just wanted to mention those resources that are going to be in the show notes. If you don't want to bother with the show notes, just get to the invocations. You can go to astroshaman.com slash invocations, and it'll get you that little free course I was talking about. So I just wanted to make sure that the, the viewers and listeners have that resource available quickly if they want it. Absolutely. I had asked earlier about the difference you were feeling now versus when we started work. And I think you just described that with the reaction these people are having to you, how you're feeling lighter and your own perception of being happy more consistently and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. One other um, emphasis I want to put is when Laura and I were doing these sessions, I, as the, as the facilitator, had no agenda prior. And uh, what we would do is the first thing I made sure we we did the setting up of the container. I was sitting at my mesa, my little floor altar. We would call in all my divine helpers. We'd set up a safe energetic container to make sure the work was going well. We'd make sure she was an embodied awakening. But she then, you know, knew what to bring up. You, you Laura, were knowing intuitively what was what parts were coming up to be worked with. So the magic of how I've been shown to work is. The ego forces nothing. The ego has actually as little agenda as possible. And we let the higher self of the client and the divine allies guide our work. And they will never bring up more than a client can do. It may be intense, but it will never be too much. And one thing I, that continues to kind of amaze me is in all the, you know, the heal, I've been a you know professional shaman for over 10 years and have worked with thousands of people. And never once has anyone reported overwhelm, even the kind of work Laura's been doing on this horrific trauma that she's experienced. I mean, you know, I, I always gave you the safe word, right? Say stop if it's too much. You've never said stop. And yeah, I remember you saying <laughs> you will not get overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, right. You think, huh? Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm overwhelmed all the time. But I'll, I'll tell you what the difference is. Um, I learned that on the first session, the difference between suffering and pain. Mm. I had been suffering thinking that was pain. Oh. Um, but when we started working and we were trying to do these invocations, like, Laura, stop resisting. That leads to suffering. I'm like, oh, that's what this is? I, I didn't know. Um, but that was in that first session. You like showed me, okay, what I thought was pain was actually resistance. And so once I was made aware of that and learned how to let that go, um, then I could do the healing work and, and feel it. And the interesting thing is, <laughs> I mean, to this day, when we do these um, healing rounds, he, Benjamin would say, yeah, can you feel the, the, the shame? And the, I'm like, no, I don't feel any of those things. I think what my higher self has been doing is like, I'm just, you're just going to, well, I, I just feel energy. I will feel intense energy, but I don't feel pain. And, and I think that's my higher self doing that. It's like, no, you don't need to feel that. You've, you've, you've done enough. Like, we're just gonna, you know, you're going to feel something so that we can focus on that so that it can clear through. But um, it's just going to be intense energy, not actual so, pain. I'm like, so yay. what is, in your opinion, the difference between pain and suffering? Um, suffering is what was what was hurting me um it would be just body memories um flashbacks it was just feeling yucky things um but in every healing session we would do i would just feel i would feel something i would feel energy um in an area 
in the beginning it was uncomfortable. Now it's not uncomfortable at all. It's, it's, it's easy. Um, which by the way, I never thought I would say that either, <laughs> but yeah, now it's just easy, but, um, I would just, I would feel something and I'd be uncomfortable, but then it would pass and then I'd be okay. And, and then I would feel the flush and stuff. So yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to describe because I don't have the experience of words. Well, I'll, I'll give you my standard distinction of the difference. Um, and the Buddhists have a famous saying, you know, pain is mandatory, suffering is optional. Uh, pain is, I mean, if someone pricks you with a knife, it's going to hurt. That's pain. That's the body letting you know there's something that needs attention here because I've been injured. Um, but suffering is your psychological response or your psychological resistance to what's actually happening. So uh, what I've worked with Laura and I routinely work with with clients where it needs addressing is, you know, um, the the shamanic axiom is you have to feel it to heal it. And as, as you know, Laura, when you've been willing to just knowing that we work in a safe container, knowing your higher self and the odds are not going to bring up anything you're not ready to do yet. And if the trauma is too much for one round, they'll only bring up as much of the trauma as you can process, even if it takes multiple rounds, right? So knowing that you can, and that's what I encourage Laura and all my clients when we do shamanic work, just can be completely present with the discomfort. Don't resist it. Don't fight it. Don't, you know, push away like we're taught to do in the society. If you, knowing that you're in a safe container and you're not going to get more than you can do, if you're fully present with it, then very rapidly it dissolves and flushes out your hands and feet. Usually it can leave other ways, but that's the common exit route and whatever flushes out is gone forever once and for all. Um, so that, uh, that one thing you've excelled at Laura is being able to be present with trauma as it comes up to be healed in this safe, you know, um, titrated by the, the higher beings container. And I've seen you process stuff, you know, uh, and Laura mentioned that, you know, I've commented how fast she is. I've rarely worked with anyone who processes heavy energy at the speed she does uh, because she's learned how to be fully present with it. And she's a very powerful being um, and she's able to process heavy stuff in at, at light speed. Um, yeah, for me, it's, <laughs> it's like I, I will tell you that every session is divinely guided 100 um, percent. There is no human um honestly actually if i go in with an idea it, it often derails and <laughs> something else comes up instead of like okay fine you know better than i do um so yeah i can say 100 percent. this is not humanly driven or guided at all it is completely divinely guided and that's probably why we work so well together is i'm used to that mm -hmm. i actually grew up in that way of doing things so it was easy for me yeah yeah. And then the instruction in, in the healing work I do is just, you know, we'll put the, the, the higher self or the divine beings to work healing it. And the human's only job is to remain passive and just feel where it doesn't feel good and just hold passive awareness and everything else runs itself. That's exactly the, about the invocations. The human initiates with seven or eight words and then just hangs out while the higher self does all the healing and awakening for you. Yeah. You're literally just along for the ride. Um, You have to witness it and be present. And yeah. that's, that's the only requirement, um, truly. And um, yeah, the clearing, you know, he would say, oh yeah, now we're in the bliss state. I'm like, we are? For the first month and a half, I did not feel bliss. I, I'm i like, um, where is it? Uh, now I'm finally starting to feel it. So yeah, I, a DID person has explained to me that 
your core self in DID is very numb and very heavy. And it's your parts that have the personalities and give you life. Um, and so I think, I think that core part of me was so wounded from all the stuff that all these parts held that I just couldn't feel much at all. Um, so I guess that's a testament to that part of me has healed enough now mm -hmm. that I can actually feel bliss when um, that bliss energy and I can feel energy a little more strongly. I can feel more strongly when the energy is flushing out. Um, yeah. So my awareness has gotten stronger from our work together. And let me, let me explain why, why would I be able to feel the bliss she's in if she can't? Um, one of my jobs as a, as a shamanic healer is I, I've become very empathically sensitive over all the years I've done this. Um, and so sometimes I'm actually perceiving a client's inner process more vividly than they are. Because one of my jobs is to be present empathically where I can feel what's happening in their inner world and to be monitoring that while the allies take care of it. I'm not doing it. I, I say, I'm your empathic tour guide. <laughs> I'll describe what's happening, but I'm not initiating. I'm not making it happen. Benjamin is witnessing and just watching what these beautiful divine beings are doing for you. And so I'm aware of what's happening. And when she was, when I perceived that she was moving into a higher level that I perceived as bliss, I would comment on that. But Laura was saying she wasn't yet clear enough to feel it more vividly herself. The extreme right. example I've worked with, occasionally I work with a client like with IFS, where they have no inner awareness at all. They can't even feel their inner world. And I will actually be, okay, now this part is showing up. And they'll say, well, you just directed us the part, do it for me. And I'll actually actually do a process for someone all the way through where they have little or no awareness of what's happening. And yet, even under that circumstance, some healing can happen. So I, I would yeah. the client, you know, have their own experience. But if not, then we can still do some good work with me sort of, you know, acting as their eyes and perception of the inner world experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the first few sessions, I was doing most of the heavy lifting. You kept saying, I'm not doing anything. You're doing this. So like, <laughs> okay. Um, but then as, as things progressed, um, there were times where I would just come in just feeling so heavy and so um, just despondent that I, I didn't even want to, I, I knew I, yeah, this is really interesting. And actually a really test, a real testament to uh, Benjamin's work is we developed a, a relationship where I felt I could trust him uh, more than I've ever trusted anyone, honestly, um, that when I really didn't want to do the work, I still showed up. And because some part of me knew I needed to be there. Um, and maybe it was my higher self getting me there. Um, but yeah, I remember there was one time where I, I, I felt it at first. And then I was just like, I don't know what's going on with this part. Can you tell me what's going on with this part? And he could take over and take the wheel and, and, and finish it for me. I was like, thank God. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've experienced kind of, I think the whole, all of the possible ways this can happen where he drives most of the dust or I drive most of it. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing, no matter where you're at, he can help and you will still come away with healing because yeah, even that day, um, when we got to the end, I wasn't feeling great. I was still feeling heavy but I knew, um, I knew things were better. I knew I was in a better place than when we started. And by the next day, I was feeling much more like myself. 
Um, but that's the only time that I have not felt myself felt better. Um, last week, um, I actually, I, I learned something about last week, a couple of days ago. Um, cause it, one thing with trauma is it feels like you go three steps, two steps forward and step three steps back. And it's like, I'm never going to get there because I keep having to go back and I don't keep moving forward. And I'm realizing that's not true. Um, Someone told me once, in order for a plane to get lift, they have to have pressure. That's why they have to go at a, a long distance at a very high speed is to build up the pressure to get the lift so that it can fly. And I realized that when things are getting really heavy, when it, it's actually a really good sign that I'm getting ready for a huge uplift. Mm -hmm. um, like when things get bad, that's something to rejoice in and not to feel bad about because it means something good is on the other side. Because in that session, I came in like, yeah, I was arguing up and down. And I and, and, and the love that Benjamin gave me in that session was so powerful for me because I've been in that place with other healers and, and they've always given me their best, but I could always, another thing, you, you develop a, um, a sensitivity to how the other person is responding to you. It's what comes with trauma. I think it's how we stayed alive. And so I can sense when somebody's getting frustrated, even if they're trying really hard not to show it, I pick up on it. And so here I'm arguing up and down, not on purpose. It's all from a pain place. It wasn't like I was trying to make things difficult. I was just really in that much pain. And Benjamin understood that. So he never lost his composure. He never lost his compassion. He never, he was, he stayed in that place, even though I was not being nice sometimes. <laughs> and, and to me, that is just the highest form of love. And I needed that so badly that day. And I was so grateful because I haven't had that since my mom. Um, and so it, that, that was just a really powerful session for me. And, and, and it was a powerful session because in that session, a huge shift happened. And that's why I could finally do this interview. I've been wanting to do this interview. I've been wanting to tell my story publicly for many years and couldn't do it. But the shift that happened last week is what enabling me to do this today because Benjamin's work is so incredibly powerful. For those of you who have just lost hope, I, 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 I hear you. I feel you. I, I get you. And Truly, if, 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 if you can go to this place and work with your higher self, Benjamin can help and it will help in ways that you never even thought was possible. Like I have literally believed that my best days were behind me and then I was just going to be living out my life, however it was going to be and, and just deal with it. <laughs> but <laughs> Benjamin's saying it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I'm like, yeah, right. Um, and now we've come far enough that I'm starting to see how this can get better. And I'm like, okay, I will trust you here. <laughs> that this will get better. Um, and that's huge. So, yeah. Yeah. One thing that's been true for me, is you just can't even conceive how much amazingly better it can get. Um, my own journey, uh, I work with the invocations, with IFS, with I do a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies under the guidance of some ama an amazing shaman. I've, I've worked with many shamans over the years. And what I've learned is, you know, your current level of consciousness can't comprehend anything beyond itself. It literally can't imagine the next awesome level that awaits you. 
And I've had enough of these breakthroughs time after time after time where I maybe I'd gone to a level of bliss next day that was I just, wow, this is leagues beyond anything I've known. I This could be the ultimate. How could it get better? And then it keeps getting better and better and better. And when you do good healing and shadow work modalities, then I don't know if there's any limit to that. I mean, um, you know, I, I the story I usually tell is, you know, back in 2012, I had a lock-in awakening where finally, you know, it didn't go away. I'd had some awakenings prior to that, that I was awake in a ceremony. I went to sleep and woke up the next morning and, and the awakening had gone. But this mm-hmm. finally, the next morning, it's still there. And it's been there ever since. But the breakthrough was so blissful and ecstatic. I thought, oh, my God, did I hit the jackpot? I mean, this is an XC I didn't know was possible. And yet, you know, a while after that, I woke up deeper and it got even more ecstatic. And that's happened more times than I've even kept track of. And it keeps happening. So, uh, you know, if it can happen to me, someone who, when they started their journey, couldn't even feel anything. I was totally numb to spiritual energy. It took me a lot of work to even start to feel anything. If I can be having these kind of breakthroughs, then anybody can. So I was the slow kid in class on this stuff. (laughs) So if I can have this kind of breakthrough experience and have this level of supreme high sensitivity when I work with clients, then who knows what someone who's a little more naturally gifted could do, you know? And it's not too late. I'm 63. And it's only in the last decade, really, that I've had all the really major breakthroughs. Um, So it ain't too late. I don't care how old you are. Um, So um, I'm feeling like we've probably covered a lot of the major ground. Um, One one more burning question I have for you is, um, so you're feeling better now. But, you know, my belief, as I've shared with you, is the healing never stops. Um, I don't I don't. I actually believe at this point there ever is a final awakening because if it's an infinite universe, how could there be a final stopping point for that? So that excites me because, oh my God, it just keeps getting better. How cool is that? You know? So um, knowing that you'll probably still be finding and healing parts of you that got wounded and split off. And then this may be an ongoing process for years. Um, but also experiencing, I believe that, you know, the, the trend line is upping and you're holding a more, happy experience and the healings are gradually uplifting you into a bigger, more awakened baseline that feels better. Um, How do you feel about your life moving forward? Um, How do I feel about my life moving forward? I feel like there's hope Um, (laughs) that, um, it's funny because part of this in the beginning when I was healing, I was like, I just want my life back. I just, I just want to be back to how I was. And, and then after I started healing a bit, I'm like, that was not better. <laughs> this is better. And now I'm even better. And and along the way, I've, I've really understood this whole soul thing. I've had to really come to terms with why in the hell did I go through this? And why did I survive it? So it's been like, why am I here? And we actually talked about this in the last session. And you were like, I truly believe that you came here to reclaim divine love. And it's funny. I got a human design report and the human design report said the same thing. (laughs) There it is. You are here to be unconditional love, to express unconditional love. And, 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 and yeah. and, And connect with divine love. And so I just look at like, wow, I'm gonna get, better and better at this. I'm going to get clearer and clearer and I'm going to be able to actually 
enjoy life instead of just surviving. So that is that is the hope that I am carrying with me now that I think might actually be achievable, even if I can't see how I, how to do it yet. Mm, beautiful. Hmm. Any, uh, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like we might be nearing the end of the interview. Does that feel that way to you too, Laura? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts you want to share? Um, yeah, because the other thing that came through that day, um, innocence has been a big word for me. Um, when I was first, uh, recovering these memories, I, I felt dirty. Um, and I felt damaged and I was talking with a friend of mine who's a spiritual healer and she's like, Laura, the dirt's on them, not on you. And I'd been taught from an early age, something I carried through my life is that my innocence is intact. And, um, in the session we had last week, I, I realized that I had briefly caught a glimpse of who I truly am, um, the me before I incarnated, even though it looked like me, it, it presented itself as a child version of me, but very much connected to um, the divine and, 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 and the, the sensation, the feelings I was getting from it was she was shiny and radiant and happy and vibrant. And I was like, wow. And later on in the process, the message I got from that was you are also here to reclaim your innocence so it's very easy to think well we're told you know i mean okay the the history for women has been oh my goodness if you um if you're violated you're damaged goods you're 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 worthless um you know for hundreds of years that's been the societal standard and so you know, I was violated at three. What chance do I have to um, have a happy childhood, to have my innocence is gone. My childhood is gone. I have lost everything that a child should have. And in that healing session, my higher self and my guides were showing me I had not lost my childhood. I did have moments where I was happy and I was playful and I was doing normal child things and truly enjoying it. Um, and that my innocence is not lost. And so I've been, since that day, I've been doing this invocation of um, maximum childlike innocence that serves highest good. And every time I do it, I feel bubbly and buzzy and, and happy. And, um, and, and it's just going to grow more and more. And so my, my big message to everybody is hope is not lost. Um, you, you might be lost in pain. Um, and feeling terribly betrayed by the people who were supposed to protect you and love you. And instead they did horrible things to you or sold you um, to people to do even more horrible things to you. Um, and that's, that's, that's a really hard, heavy betrayal and pain to carry. And I did not think I would ever be able to heal to the point where I could be happy. I thought I, the best I could hope for was just to be at peace and at least to be able to get to some sense of peace. Um, but now I have expectation of actually experiencing genuine joy and being fully free of the effects of all of that trauma. And 
I truly believe that's happening. And I can say that I'm on the way of getting there. So that gives me even more confidence that this can happen. So there is hope. Um, you have not lost your innocence. You have not lost your happiness. You have not lost goodness. You have not lost hope. It is, it is available. And if Benjamin or I can help you get there, let us help you because yes. So, uh, so because of what you just said, should I uh, put your email in the uh, show notes or some way to contact you if people want to reach sure. out? Okay. Sure. Yeah, okay. do that. Okay. And if people want to reach me, um, I'll put a link in the show notes too. Uh, my main site is astroshaman.com. And uh, there is a services thing and shamanic healing is one of the links in there. I do shamanic healing mixed with IFS and, you know, all the stuff I do. Um, wow. Laura, it's been exceptional. Um, I want again, and just as a background for folks, you know, we had been discussing doing this interview for quite a few weeks. And I was, you know, the idea occurred to us spontaneously in one of our healing sessions. And I was so adamant, Laura, we are not going to do this unless you are ready, unless it serves your highest good first and foremost. Again, the motive here is to you know, let people know no matter how severe their trauma has been, no matter how difficult it's been, there is hope. There are methods to rapidly, efficiently, and easily clear this stuff. Yes. Again, the modality we've been using is we let the divine beings do it for us. And we just kind of, you know, with IFS, there's a little bit of ego-directed work, but for the most part, we just show up and this amazing divine power comes through us. I'm happy to work with anyone who feels called to work with me. There are also a huge number of extraordinary healers out there who do really powerful work and, you know, let your inner guidance, you know, you'll feel drawn to the person you're, you're going to be working with, whether it's me or anyone else. I'm certainly not the only game in town, but uh, you know, we just, the core message here is not, you got to work with Benjamin. The, the core message here is there are many powerful healers who do very effective work don't just assume, as Laura once thought, you're stuck in your trauma. Um, there are ways to heal it faster than you might have imagined, as Laura has. And, you know, that's definitely one of the reasons I'm here is show people you can heal and awaken way faster than you might have thought. And it doesn't have to be a slog. Yeah. And I just want to say you can accomplish in days and weeks what would normally take years with other modalities. Yeah. All right. Any Any final final, Laura, before we wrap it up? Just thank you for the opportunity to do this. Oh, thank you for the honor of having you on the podcast. I, this is the most important interview I've ever done. <laughs> thank you. All right. So we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks again, Laura. Welcome. Laura offers these key takeaways from her interview. One, no matter how long ago or how recent the abuse, no matter how minor or severe the abuse, healing is possible. Two, Healing doesn't have to be grueling, exhausting, or hard. It can be quick, effortless, and uplifting. Three, with the instant divine assistance invocations and internal family systems therapy, you can confront, process, and completely heal difficult and even terrifying trauma memories, and you can do it safely and quickly. Laura continues, Experience had taught me that facing the terrors I experienced would put me in crisis. With Benjamin's skilled help, I faced those terrors and found compassion for my abusers and myself. After I transmuted those painful burdens of memories, I found peace and joy on the other side. I did not have to recover from these sessions for even a few minutes. Four, there is hope. 
It is possible to find freedom, joy, and a future that is good. Your higher self or God is guiding you to that future every step of the way. End quote. I've included links to Laura's recommended books and support resources for childhood sexual abuse and dissociative identity disorder in the show notes. Now that you've heard Laura's story, here's some research I did on human trafficking that will help put her experiences into perspective. You can see my sources in the show notes. Child sex trafficking is increasing in the United States and throughout the world. The U.S. is one of the most active sex trafficking countries in the world, where exploitation of trafficking victims occurs in cities, suburban, and rural areas. Cases of human trafficking have been reported in all 50 states, Washington, D.C., and the U.S. territories. Estimates place the number of current victims in the hundreds of thousands. Human trafficking is a rapidly growing, highly profitable criminal industry. Only drug trafficking is more profitable. In most cases, minors become victimized through targeting, grooming, and recruitment within their own community, and sometimes within their own family, as happened to Laura. According to the International Labor Office, the global annual revenue for child trafficking and forced labor in 2021 was approximately $150 billion, that's billion with a B, with $99 billion coming from commercial sex trafficking. One reason for the extremely high profit margins for the commercial sex industry was described by Rebecca Posey, regional director of Not For Sale, a nonprofit aimed at combating modern day slavery and exploitation. She says, quote, you can sell a bag of drugs once, but you can sell a person multiple times, end quote. This is one of the main factors that influences high profitability for child sex traffickers. Once they have at least one child to exploit, they have a product that provides seemingly limitless transactions and opportunity for financial gain. If you or someone you know is a victim of human trafficking, you can get help at humantraffickinghotline.org or by calling 888-373-7888. That website and number are in the show notes. Thank you for sticking with us through this challenging episode. We'll be done right after these final announcements. On Amazon, not only do books get ratings, but even the reviews get ratings. Here are excerpts from one of the all-time top-rated reviews for my number one Amazon bestseller called Instant Divine Assistance, Your Complete Guide to Fast and Easy Spiritual Awakening, Healing, and More. The review is titled, Buddha Would Have Loved This Bliss. Quote, this book has a great practice for being present as its main gift. That gift is the main invocation. She's referring to the embodied awakening invocation. After practicing this, being present feels so good, like bliss. I use the main invocation and also tweak it for healing or increasing my ability to learn. The first great gift of this practice is calm, less anxiety, until there is no anxiety. It only gets better from there. World problems no longer get me down, for long anyway. I know it can create my calm with the invocations and then use that calm to pray and help those who are suffering. I do not have to suffer along with them, but see them as able to overcome their difficulties. This is a great relief for empaths. It works the same for any pressure or tension I have in my life in this stressful world. Being mindful can be bliss, and we can have it all day long with the help of this invocation practice. This is a gem of a book. End quote. That's a five-star review from EJ, posted on October 6, 2022. Instant Divine Assistance is available in all formats, including audiobook. Click the link in the show notes to check it out on Audible or Amazon, or read it in Kindle Unlimited. Also, 
My Awakening Plus online membership supports your individual healing and awakening and global spiritual awakening and lets you make meaningful connections with like-minded spiritual seekers. Hundreds of satisfied members make up our supportive online community. Awakening Plus members can choose from about a dozen monthly Zoom calls. We also have a constantly growing archive of over 600 life-transforming events supported by an easy-to-use best-of guide. Not only that, there are three major courses so far and plenty of other benefits to help speed up your personal evolution. Click the link in the show notes to learn more or go to awakeningplus.com. That's awakeningplus.com. Thank you for being here. Once again, I'm Benjamin Bernstein and we are wrapping up. Please leave me a five-star rating, review, or comment wherever you get this episode so that others can also awaken, heal, and thrive. And be sure to click the link in the show notes for a chance to win one free year of my Awakening Plus online membership. Thanks again for spending this time with me. I wish you infinite blessings.